to turn the channel, go ahead, fool, turn the channel. We've seen midgets grow. Mandarabasata. I don't make this stuff up. Warlocks are enemies of God. A lot of people who go into prison go into prison straight, and when they come out, they're gay. Science is interesting, and if you don't agree, you can fuck off. Well, I'm not too righteous, but on the other hand, I think you're a bit of a dingling. If you want to learn something about God, shut your mouth and listen to me for a minute. Welcome to the relaunch of the AXPX podcast. I am Sean DeRager. And uh, glad to be back. I, I honestly didn't think I would ever be bringing this back. <laughs> and for mul- you know, multiple reasons, I didn't know, didn't really think the interest was there. Um, and, uh, you know, I just didn't really, w- wasn't in the right headspace for a while, uh, I guess. You know, the, uh, it's been, the last episode that I posted was in February of 2014, which is crazy. Um, trying to think exactly what was going on back then, but I was wrestling with all this stuff, doing this podcast, trying to be, you know, uh, in, in a better place. The podcast really did help in a, in a therapeutic sense as I was going through this, uh, this, this journey, this faith journey. And it really did help a lot. It was kind of me just talking to a microphone, hashing things out with, with Joey Avalos and, and all the guests that have came on the show. So it really did help me. So, I, I don't know if at, at the time I kind of came to the close where where I felt like I didn't really have anything else to say. Felt like we were just going to start kind of retreading previous ground. But uh, also, like, other things that happened was my company started going through some layoffs and things like that. So I was getting stressed going through all that. And I came out the other side. I, I actually work close to home now, which is great. But uh, all that was going on, I think, just kind of, uh, it was easy just to, to kind of put the AXPX aside. And I really didn't think that I was going to be bringing it back. But I got a lot of, throughout this last, Jesus, it's been like a year and a half, got a lot of kind of Facebook messages on the AXPX Facebook page. And some emails came in where, you know, where people had heard the show and really dug it and were asking if I was going to hopefully bring it back. And I've been mulling over this for a good year now. And uh, I think the time is right for me for me to bring it back. I'm starting to get interested in exploring this stuff again. I do have another podcast that actually took off and is doing... I can't believe how well it's doing, but it's called The Screamcast. And I probably have some Screamcast listeners checking this out today. But... I'm excited to kind of bring this back. I want to bring this back in more of an entertaining fashion, hopefully. Less, mm, I don't know, less melancholy, you know? I think we try to keep the other shows interesting. But I think uh, now I want to, we're going to be doing basically an interview-style podcast. There, I don't think there's going to be any topics, uh, specific topics, going to be about most about the guest and their experiences. So that's kind of the direction that I'm taking the AXPX podcast. I did speak to Joey Avalos about coming back here and there, and he's definitely interested. Um, he may not a- operate in a co-host uh, as, as the co-host like he had been, but he's definitely, you know, still, a, he's one of my, you know, good friends, and he'll be involved, I'm sure. So, um, today we're going to be talking to Blake Collier. He has a, a website. Here's some cool kind of analysis on some horror movies, and I really responded to those. And 
So I figured, what the hell, we'll start the, it's October, you know, we'll start things off and talk to him. So that's coming up here in just a little bit, but I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, set the stage for for the show moving forward here. Um, it's weird that I'm doing this in October. I don't know when I first started the podcast, but um, October is always a weird month for me. And I was thinking about bringing this podcast back. It's been mulling over it for the past few weeks and kind of getting into a good spot. And then a week after I decided to kind of bring this back, my uh, my neighbor passed away. And he was in the military and really cool guy and tragically died in a, a cargo plane crash. And it's just weird how October has turned into this celebratory month of Halloween, horror movies, you know, I love October. It's my birthday month. Just celebrated my 38th birthday, which is really odd to say that number. But October is kind of, you know, turned into this whole different thing. And now the reason why I first started the podcast was me dealing kind of in a way with me challenging uh, my view of God and faith and, and Christianity based on the frustrations of my brother-in-law passing away. And he had passed away in October of... um Jesus, uh, 2006, I want to say. So all these are, all these memories and all this stuff comes up every, every October now since then. And then to have my, my neighbor pass away, uh, was a whole other thing. It's like, here we go again, you know? Um, but I don't want to, I guess, dwell on it. Um, it is tragic and it does open up a Pandora's box of questions, you know, about suffering and, and why God allows things like this to happen um, to people and why he, you know, now we got three young, beautiful kids without their father and why stuff like this happens. So I guess it, I guess it, it's ripe for me to bring back the, the podcast here and explore these things further. I guess I'm motivated to kind of be looking into this this again because I think for a while I just haven't given a shit <laughs> so it's been hard for me to get motivated to bring this podcast back in any uh in any in any reasonable sense but um but anyway I think I think we're good I think it's 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 time to to bring this back so that's all I got to say let's jump into the show today I'm really excited about uh about the show about our guest uh, having Blake come on and I've been mulling around doing the music thing again. But I was running the other day, and like in a row, these two songs came on. And I was like, yeah, we're going to bring back the music. We'll, we'll do the music. You know what? Skip through the music if you don't like it. But for me, it's a, it, I think these bands and, and the stuff that I play will hopefully enhance, uh, if you listen to it all the way through, enhance the conversation that's about to happen. So we'll jump into this. We're talking to Blake Collier right after this. But uh, first, this is Maritime from their 2007 album, Heresy and the Hotel Choir. This song is called For Science Fiction. You're listening to the AXPX Podcast. Yeah. 
inaugural re-inaugural podcast our our first guest i got to know through my other podcast the screamcast um blake collier is uh, a listener and i got uh, of that show and i we started just chatting i think on twitter and things like that mm-hmm. and uh um through some conversations i found out that uh, blake you're uh, you're a christian and but you love horror movies and, and things like that so it, you know i got I got the the feeling, the vibe that you're a little bit different from from some of the you know mainstream, I guess uh, Christianity uh, we we run into. But uh, but Blake, welcome to welcome to the uh, <coughs> my voice crack. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the season three, episode one, as we're calling it, of the the AXPX. Well, the thank relaunch. you for having me. I appreciate <laughs> it. Of course, um, I figured you know it's it's October. Uh, we're watching a lot of scary movies. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always watching scary movies for the screencast, but, um, I try to kick it up a notch in October. Um, but this October has been a little bit different because there was a, re- a recent death in our neighborhood a neighbor of oh, mine okay. died. So, that, uh, and uh, so that's been hanging over everything. And then, uh, October is when my, if you listen to the first episode of the podcast, it's when. Uh, when I first started this up, October was when my brother-in-law died um, as okay. well. So it's yeah. like I seem my, to remember a little the, bit about that. Yeah, the, my favorite month of the year is also my birthday month. Uh, it has been kind of clouded by like you know death, you know, yeah, in mm-hmm. in like real life. So it kind of makes uh you know the whole fun of horror movies and and everything. It's just a little odd. And this year, I think with a a, a recent death. 
spilled water on my keyboard. Um, it's a little bittersweet. With the reason, it's, it's bittersweet, and it hasn't yeah. really felt like a normal October. But yeah. Um, but I'm I'm you know I'm slowly easing into it, and my kids are asking me about uh, they're asking me about uh, decorating the house and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll probably do that. That's awesome. Probably do that soon. So. Anyway, the reason why you caught my attention um, for this podcast was you had started writing these reviews with a kind of a Christian twist um, on horror movies. And the first one you wrote on was Martyrs. And yes. this is a 2008 film, and it's it's a French uh, French film. And it's kind of ushered in, like, uh, there's these kind of like this new wave French horror, right? There's Martyrs, there's... Um, High tension. Yes. Uh, there's a, a couple others with these these filmmakers, and they're kind of set apart because they're so brutal. Um, was one? Is there another one inside? Is that another one? Of those inside. Ones? Yes. Yes. Like mm-hmm. just splattery. Uh, oh yeah. Just hardcore. violent. Yeah. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so so when I saw that you were taking on martyrs, I was like, holy shit! Like I gotta read this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. And we'll get into more on your kind of deconstruction of these films in in a bit, but okay. that that sparked my interest. Okay. So, um, you know, so I was like, man, I gotta contact Blake and get get Blake on the show and just have a conversation about the stuff. But, um, but yeah, you you strike me as as someone who has faith, but you are also very open to the world around you and things like that. Um, and when when I. Asked you to come on. You asked, uh, "Is this a you, know, you send me a text or whatever messenger on Facebook? Mm-hmm. You know, is this a drinking? Can I drink <laughs> podcast?" And I was like, "Hell yeah, you could drink if you want." So um, I I poured myself a little glass of some cognac. It's a it's a cheap cognac. Nice drinking here. Um, what where do you where do you? Uh... I've got a nice Omegong Brewery Three Philosophers. Ooh. So a quad going nice. heavy tonight. So wow, what uh, what's the alcohol rating on that sucker? It's nine point seven. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a let's see, I believe it's one pint. So oh man, that'll uh watch out. I'll and, tie off the evening. <laughs> yeah, I remember I there was a uh, there's a brewery out here in California somewhere. I think it's Southern California. It's called the Lost Abbey. Have you heard of them? I have. Yes. <laughs> and they're specializing in like Belgian ales and they the first one I ever had was like a 10% and it was called Damna- Damnation Ale. Yes. And I've I like had it. and I like theirs cuz they're you know, it's the Lost Abbey, you know. It has this like kind of uh religious undertone to their beers, which is a lot of fun. But um but I didn't realize the alcohol content on it when I friend had a pint <laughs> and it was like a Wednesday night. <laughs> <you know? laughs> <laughs> and I had to be up and be at work the next day, and I was groggy, like you, super yeah. groggy the next day. No, uh, no kidding. Kind of uh, no kidding. knocked me out a little bit, but um, <laughs> I've learned since how to uh, pace myself with those ones. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's a that's a one beer for the night kind of beer right there. So, <laughs> right, yeah. And I realized that I was drinking it like a Guinness. Oh man, mm-hmm. good lord. <laughs> yeah, which I had my I had a Guinness last night. I went to this Irish pub. This, yeah, I saw your picture of that. Was, uh, that place looks was amazing. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw it's a good Irish pub when you uh, you have to try the corned beef and cabbage. Yeah. Oh, for man. Whenever I go to an Irish pub, that's like the first thing I try. Get a Guinness and then try the uh, corned beef and cabbage and see how that is. 
that's super good. You know, you're in a good spot. And then I move down the menu and try the other uh, kind of authentic things. That's awesome. That's so, my kind of eating right there. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you to start things off with just a kind of about uh, your your background with okay. Christianity and your, and your faith. Um, where, how? I mean, you know, using cliff notes, uh, how did you get to where you're at today? Like what's your, I guess, uh, outlook on on your faith and and Christianity and Jesus now, and and how has that changed? I guess. Okay, so I was raised in a in a Christian home, mm-hmm. a very good Christian home. Um, raised in a church that uh, we didn't have any you know issues. There's no malcontent going on there or anything like that. It's a good church, um, good people that went there. Um, I was one of those kids, you know. You back in those days, you kind of look at you know, being a Christian as ritual. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, I'm a Christian because I go to church every Sunday. I go to youth group every Sunday night. I go to church every Wednesday, so forth, so on. So it's more like uh, what you do is what makes you a Christian. And so if I were to say if I was actually a believer, like I actually believe the the, the truth claims, um, I'm not sure I did. uh, And I'm not sure I really did until probably late high school or early college. Uh, when I started reading a bunch of different books, um, C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. um, Peter Kraft, who's a Catholic uh, philosopher from Boston College, a uh, few people like that, uh, that I kind of latched onto, and it started making sense to me in a lot of ways. Now, um, I was still very much a legalist, uh, someone who you know, was all about living up to the rules, like the, the law, you know, this whole idea, right. you know, you, you have to be good in order to go to heaven, to heaven, you know, and was that way for quite a while and very hardcore Republican, very kind of snippy with teachers and kind of talked back and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was very much caught up in the kind of legalist mentality. Um, Skip ahead to after grad school, um, came back to where I was raised and started going to a college program at a Presbyterian church in, in Amarillo, Texas, which is where I near where I live. And um, the concepts of grace and mercy were uh, kind of sprung on me. And I've always known about them, but I, I don't think I ever really understood them. Mm-hmm. And... So the concept that, you know, it's not about what you do, it's about what Christ did for you, um, that no matter how shitty you are as a person or how good you are as a person, uh, doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, it's Christ, what he did on, on my behalf, on my behalf mm. is, is kind of the, where your faith is placed. So that was a freeing um, conceptual revolution for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just this idea that I no longer have to be this facade of a good person. I can show myself. I can be transparent with people. I can say, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of jacked up stuff in my life going on. And in theory, now in practice, it's a little different. But in theory, like people, you can tell that to people and they can – they can show compassion and they can show mercy. It's not always the case. Um, there's a lot of churches, a lot of Christians that um, will kind of throw it back in your face. You kind of have to expect that uh, we're still human. 
uh, at the same time. So, um, so the long story short is, um, I mean, I've kind of gone from nominal Christian, someone who just kind of took on the name to a legalist, to someone who uh, would be very hardcore Calvinist, mm-hmm. to then to someone who is probably more Lutheran, Anglican, high church. Uh, I appreciate the liturgy and um, I get the way I view liturgy is the idea that, you know, I can, I can say these, these creeds and these uh, words of affirmation and believe them. And yet I don't have to be original. I don't have to force myself to constantly being, you know, you know, pushing like the boundaries of explaining my faith. Mm-hmm. I can just go and say the Apostles' Creed. I believe that. I affirm it. I speak it. And that is what I base my my you know life on. Yeah. So, it, yeah. It's it's interesting that that these churches like the uh, Lutheran churches. Um, there's the UCC United Church. I think it's the United Church of Christ. Yes. Um, I believe that's right. And there, and uh, there's some other ones. Um, I mean, it, it's it's been a while since I've been in this mindset, people. So you gotta you gotta give me some uh, give me some grace here. Yeah, um, definitely. But there's but they're they're all the more you 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 see them as the more like when I was in the more uh, contemporary Christian, the more you know charismatic Christian circles. Um, yes. They look on upon it like Lutherans and everything. It's like oh stuffy and and everything. Which you know, depending on your personality, you yeah, it can be. But I find that these churches are very much more open to social issues, talking about more social and political issues, and leaning you know more to the liberal side of things, and actually practicing what what you can call true grace. Yes. You know, and, and that became more apparent to me. And part of my you know, if you've listened to the show. Going to get a lot, of, a lot of new listeners on the show, but if you've listened to past shows, you know that um, in in the past, um, my main frustration with the church and the churches I was going to, the people I was surrounding myself with, um, came out of the whole gay marriage argument, you know, yes. and okay. just me sticking up for you know my friends who are gay, my friends who want to get married, and saying, hey, that I'm totally fine with that, you know, as a as a quote unquote believer. Um, and then getting all this pushback that I really wasn't ready for, because I figured this is what something Jesus would. This is something that Jesus would mm-hmm. do if you read the New Testament and read what Jesus actually says in his in his teachings, not Paul, not the not the other apostles in later books, but what Jesus actually said and stood for. I don't think he'd he'd have any problem with it. It would be a non-issue. Um, so all that pushback, and then finding churches like the United Church of Christ. I visited one in Brea. Um, they were I like was like crying on the way home. I was so touched by that church. Okay. And the yeah. openness that they that they had to everyone um who came in. They had there was gay couples in the in you know in the pews and in there the uh in interacting and, and um contributing to the church, you know? Um and it was just a wonderful thing. And it's and that amazing. Is good. That's good to see that. Yeah. And so it's it's for what I always thought was more of the stuffy, you know, denominations, um, I, I respect them a lot more than I think I ever did once that, that started happening. And then you see the, just the closed, the, the closed mindedness of these more evangelical churches was hugely frustrating to me. So, you know, Mm -hmm. 
Well, and you know, it's 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 one thing. I mean, I'm sure you and I would disagree on some things, but well, I think everyone the, the, disagrees. On, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I mean, if if you if you agree with anyone completely, something's wrong. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's the 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 part of it for me is you know if we truly believe that that the grace of Christ is enough to cover all sins and to cover all people and cover all the mistakes that we make, then we have to view people as people, um, regardless of their actions, regardless of, you know, how we view, uh, their lives and how they're living them. Um, we have to say like, at the end of the day, if they put their faith in Christ, then they are our brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. period. And there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Because um, that, his death covered all those things. So, like, it's good to see, to hear that from you, that, that you've, you know, this church that you've you've been going to, uh, you're, are you still going to it? You know, it's in, it's in Brea, so it's a bit of a okay. drive. I've been there okay. once, okay. but I interact with a lot of the people. I mean, I went there once, and I can say that I'm lifelong friends with all the people I spent time with there. That's good. Um, I immediately friended them, you know, made friends with them on Facebook and everything, and we interact all the time, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And I was... Uh, we were at the farmers market up in uh, up in L.A. Um, that that famous far- farmers market there, and I ran into two of the members, and and it was just uh, incredible because I hadn't seen them for like a year, year and a half, and we interacted that one time, you know, uh, and we just you know stood there and talked for a while, and it was really cool to see them and and see their journey, and and it's just an incredible thing, like it really because. Because I was very much um, gearing myself more towards agnostic atheist at the time, and mm-hmm. once I saw that that grace that those people in that church um, put forth, everyone like put on everyone like they grace covered everything. You were welcome. You were you were just a uh, another human being in their minds, and and. Once I saw that, I was like, you know what? There's something more. Like I think that uh, that God or or, or whoever like, there's there's a simplicity to it that I think that we as humans uh, confuse or, and mess up, or we complicate it, we overcomplicate things. Yes, we know? have tends to do that so, a lot of times. Yeah. So I would say, like right now, you know, I'm a I'm a church going agnostic. And okay. I guess, <laughs> uh, is what I say. I'm very open to a lot of things, but, uh, I, I did settle on a church close by here, my close by my house. And I disagree with things that the pastor says, but overall what they're doing in the community and it's that mindset of, cause they serve breakfast in the morning. And who, if you're passing by, you want some breakfast, come grab some breakfast, you know, that's awesome. And, and that kind of, that kind of thing was, it, it was huge. And, and, uh, just how, uh, how they approach the Bible and things is different. There's certain things that, yeah, I don't see eye to eye with the pastor and probably many of the congregation on, but, but there's that, uh, that welcoming, you know, aspect to, to them that I kind of, you know, gravitated to and my, you know, um, so it's, it's been good. It's been a good thing. And, and it's yeah. weird because, you know, two, three years ago where I was at, you wouldn't think, 
you wouldn't hear me saying that go going to church is a good thing, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I like I said, there's still I still have a, lot of, a lot of questions. I'm still on this path for for truth. What was truth? Who is who or what is God? You know. Yes. Um. Where does the Bible fit in all this? And um. And other religious writings and things like that. I'm still mm-hmm. on that journey very much, and I'm still yeah. very much very uh, cynical. I think towards religion, but. I'm. I wouldn't distance myself from it. Like I like like I've said. I think that we've overcomplicated um, something that should be purely simple. And if you're a Christ follower, that the grace, the message of message of grace, is the simplest, clearest path that's been laid out. And mm-hmm. for some reason, it's almost too simple, and people think that it's that, and they over they, they start looking at all these rules and regulations and exclude excluding people and you know um and they it's, over- it's it's folly to the wise yeah as the bible would put it <laughs> yeah so you know and we're, we're gearing up for an electric season and, oh, and yes. I, I swear the past four or five years um the further and further away from the republican spectrum i get <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i used to well, be full on republican you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> and anymore, man, it's just a circus. That the Republican Party is a circus. Oh right yeah. Now. And, and I think and, and this, Trump's not helping anything. No. Is <laughs> no. is it just me or is this the zaniest lineup oh, we've is. ever had? It's the zaniest lineup that I can recall in my life. And I think on both sides. Like the Democratic yeah. you know <laughs> who we got like let's say we went from like Obama who was very much kind of walking to a different tune. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't vote for him at the time. Um, but, um, but, but seeing him become president was a, a momentous occasion. It was, his, oh, it, it was, was. history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then now we got all these people running for president and it's just not the same, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I respected Obama and I would hear his speeches and his, his inaugural speech was a, a fantastic speech. Yes, it was. And you're not going to hear anything like that from any of these people, uh, from our next president. <laughs> for yeah. Sure. The, uh, the one person I would have voted for possibly uh, is not running. So, and that would have been Elizabeth Warren. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I, not that I agree with her on everything, but I found that she was at least thoughtful in how she approached her her ideas. Right. So. Right. Yeah. It's it's not. It, you're never going to find a candidate that's you're going to agree with 100. percent But it's exactly. like, can this person possibly like maybe balance a budget? Um, <laughs> exactly. Could, do they inspire or are they going to, you know, be a leader, you know, and I haven't seen that. I, I voted libertarian last time around. Okay. Gary, uh, nice. Gary Johnson, Gary Anderson. Okay. So yeah. Is I, I, remember Anderson? I think that's right. That's libertarian. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I can't honestly say I've voted in the last two elections. I think I wrote in somebody on the right. first election of Obama. <laughs> Uh, and then I just didn't vote well, the last time. <laughs> so <laughs> how dare you? Uh, yes, I am apathetic politically. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 insane, and and it, you know the the scary part for me coming from kind of and I you know as much as I hate the terminology, I would consider myself evangelical because uh-huh. I do fit within the constraints of the doctrines and the general belief systems that 
you know, kind of describe evangelicals, but I hate the term because there's so much baggage. You know, uh, there's, there's, there is, um, there is another church. There's the evangelical Lutherans, Lutherans, yes. which are very much, you know, in line with more liberal, um, line of things. And, yes. and, and they're, and the, the, the quote unquote normal evangelicals, I don't know, hate that there's the evangelical Lutherans. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it's, it's, I've got friends in, in a lot of those different uh, denominations, like the, the liberal and, and the conservative side. And, and you know, it's, it's not just like a lot of it is the way people word criticism of the liberal denominations of each uh, type of, of Christian branch of, of church mm-hmm. is it's not – they use the political terminology, but a lot of times it's more of a doctrinal issue that's going on behind it. Like – so there's, you know, the way Christians at least should view uh, the church is that doctrine leads to proper action. Mm-hmm. So if you if we believe what is true about Christ, about his grace, about his mercy, about um, how grace, uh, how, how Christ came to fulfill the law, so forth, so on, then that should enact right uh, actions in us uh, doesn't always work because we're still broken, mm-hmm. um, and we tend to take on political terminology of whatever party we come from, and that's I think that's a, where a lot of the combat kind of lies is in kind of the political or kind of you know you look at the polarization of politics today that just kind of trickles down into um, churches and organizations and so forth. And they talk like sometimes they agree on a lot of things, and yet politically speaking, they're using completely different words mm-hmm. and they're using completely different types of language. And it's just like you're talking past each other, um, even though we both believe in grace. It's just that we approach it politically differently. Right. So uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, a book that that I I read quite a while ago. Uh, is the Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, uh, which uh, I would recommend to you. It's it's quite interesting. He's a, I believe he is agnostic as well, but he's a, a political psychologist. So he deals with like why the liberal and conservative sides cannot get along, mm-hmm. and how that works out psychologically. Hmm. That's because there's like five values that both sides hold to, but they hold to in varying different balances. Uh, it's not that they don't hold to these values. Both sides do. It's just that one side values three of the five more than the other two, mm-hmm. and the other side holds the other two more. So it's it's just like that breakdown of political language uh, that kind of uh, derails a lot of things. Um, that's not to say that there aren't disagreements uh that are actually legitimate and uh but i think that a lot of get a lot of that gets frustrated kind of in the politics of of church and yeah. religion so well it's gonna be uh it's gonna be an interesting 2016 yes it That's is i gotta say so no doubt buckle up uh <laughs> i i've been avoiding all of the uh all of the the debates and things like that i'm, I'm gonna wait a little bit i'm gonna let it simmer I kind of well, dip my toe. It's not even 2016 yet. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in that mind frame. I'm not not in that mind frame yet. I can't can't think about that yet. But, um, so 
so where where you're at, like where do you, you know, who do you find that God is and Jesus is like historically? Like do you? Because I know everyone kind of has a different perspective on on who Jesus is depending on on your background and 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 everything. Like, do you consider him like a historical figure? Is it more of a of a symbolic symbolic? Kind of thing. You know, um, uh, do you care? You know, for me, like I think. I think kind of like the teachings of, of Jesus kind of go above and beyond whether or not he was historical. Like I look at it and I, I respond, I respond to it. You know, I get emotional when I read that, when I read how, how he was. So for me, it doesn't matter because I think the okay. principles are there. Um, mm-hmm. so that's where I'm at. So where, what about you? Like who is, who is Jesus to you? Okay. So the way I look at it is I think his teachings can be, if you're just looking at his teachings, that can be kind of, detached from the historical question to some extent mm-hmm. because there are principles right. that exactly. you can hold on to now whether or not we can fully like realize them in our lives or actualize them in our lives is a whole nother you know question but mm-hmm. um i do if i am to believe that um uh, i am saved by his grace um and that it is by his death and resurrection that i am saved, then on some level I do have to believe in the historical person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I have to believe in the historical action of him uh, coming to earth, being both God and man, uh, living a perfect life, living up to the law, fulfilling the law, uh, dying as an innocent, you know, you know, pegged as a criminal, hung on a cross, died, three days later he, re- he, you know, he rose again. I have to believe that historically if the redemption and the salvation aspect of it actually has teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do believe in a historical Jesus. Mm -hmm. I do believe uh, that the testaments of the Gospels uh, preach to that and that they are... um, They are accurate. Um, Now, we can talk about (laughs) issues of like... You know, is every single word like perfect and everything like that? That's a whole another question. But I do yeah. believe that what they're talking about, the witness that they uh, that they speak of, is true. Well, uh, you know, that's so, that's that's an in- interesting interesting thing you bring up because um, today, in in you know, we went to church and our and our pastor mm-hmm. was we were going through the Beatitudes or whatever, and and he was talking about the uh, you know Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, he had a name for those three gospels. Do you know? Yes. Do you know what that, mm-hmm. that name is? I'm trying to think because uh, I've taken a few seminary classes. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what that was. Anyway, I should have jotted it down. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you have uh, more knowledge about this, uh, drop me a line. But he was talking about those three because I think John's a whole, a whole other story. Because I think Mark, he was saying Mark was the first gospel written and then either Luke and then Matthew there's the Luke and Matthew came afterwards right so Mark was the first yeah. one the other two built upon the the skeleton of what Mark laid out and he's he looked at it as and I and I've, I don't think I've ever heard this preached from a pulpit that I've been to in a church like that I've been going to except for me it's a little mm-hmm. more it's not charismatic but it's it's not evangelical it's a, it's a non you know typical kind of non-denominational but um, he was. You know, he said, "Look, it's like different witnesses. You go to a crime scene. You got twenty different people there. They're all going to give a different account." And that's yes. kind of how he uh, 
accounts for the what people say inconsistencies and things that aren't you know don't line up you know certain certain uh one gospel says that Jesus was crucified or or on one day and then another gospel says it was another day or whatever you know mm-hmm. um but all that kind of stuff i mean and for me like that stuff never really made a difference you know i'm it's yeah for me, is the overall message of the stories. But hearing that from a pulpit was great because the last time I heard um, a pastor talk about the Bible, it was like he—he he was he, this guy. This other guy was saying, you know, the Bible is like a deck of cards. You remove one card, the whole deck falls down. So <laughs> yeah, the Bible's yeah. inerrant. You know, every jot and tittle and everything is the inspired yeah. word of God. You know. Yep. But I. I always thought that you present the Bible like that, you're kind of, you're going to create some atheists. (laughs) Yeah, and that's part of it. If it doesn't stack up and people start, you know, you start reading the Bible for what it is and really start studying the Bible and looking at it with a skeptical skeptical perspective, you're going to find, you are going to find inconsistencies. Mm -hmm. And, but for me, that was never a deal breaker because I never ascribed to that. Okay. so is that is that how you approach the Bible? Because I mean that weighs well. I, would, or... I you know I, I struggle, and here's where a lot of my own uh, doubts come mm-hmm. around. Like I'm not real settled on right. how far I want to you know go down that <laughs> that hole. You know, um, be careful. That's yeah, exactly. So it's 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 one of those things where I do believe it's the inspired <laughs> word of God. I do believe that you know it's God breathed, mm-hmm. which is the kind of the liturgical way of speaking of the inspiration of scripture. Um, I do believe that, that it is useful for um, both giving truth and maintaining truth within the life of the Christian and the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, you know, where I'm unsure is, you know, you know, ling- linguistically speaking, like is every single word uh, perfect and is the translation perfect? Mm-hmm. No, I, I I'm not sure, you know. I, I I don't I don't have enough of a um, history of translation and and oral history and how it's been passed down and yeah. you know how these translations kind of approach um, kind of digging into the Hebrew and the Greek mm-hmm. of the text. So I I kind of basically just say, you know, I believe it is inspired. I do believe that what it says is ultimately the truth and that it maintains. Um, kind of the the community and the unity of the church. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with that. That's yeah. enough to where uh, if I at some point if I go further into seminary and I dig into that a little bit more, I might understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But that's good for me right now. Yeah. And so um, it's you know, and you know, if you ask me about certain aspects of the Bible, like there's gonna be parts of it that I'll be like. I don't know if this is historical. I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. And on some of it, I'm kind of like you. Um, some stories, like Job, which is one of my favorite books in the Bible, it's disturbing to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most life-giving and helpful books for people who are suffering. Yes, that I've ever read. And yeah. um, and it ultimately in my mind. Uh, it doesn't matter if that's a historical book or not. It's the interaction between Job, his friends, and God that is that's important yeah. and that is life giving. So, 
you know, there's 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 a lot of give and take on that, and you know, that's that's an issue that I don't know enough about. Uh, there are smarter people out there than me that could answer that yeah. uh, with better uh, knowledge. So. Well, that that kind of stuff is fascinating to me, and I wish I had the time. I mean, I wish I wasn't just fucking around when I was like <laughs> in my twenties. Yeah. I wish I was actually studying this stuff because, because uh, I think when I was when I was in when I was in my twenties, I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was. I'm you know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good people in Tulsa, but yeah, I, was, I was in there Tulsa. Um, if there wasn't those people there, I it would have been hard, but. Um, really good music scene when I was down there. Um, a lot of good bands and stuff. So we all bumped around a lot, and, and I was kind of caught up in that. And going to a lot of kind of uh, kind of charismatic churches, kind of searching on my own. And but it was not. There's not a lot of uh, digging into the scriptures. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people going to Bible school, going to Oral Roberts University, and and going to uh, Rama Bible Training Center. And but there wasn't like people who we're going into like to a, like a seminary that we're really digging into like the roots of, of the Bible. So I think when I was there, I was just kind of, I was trying to find it, you know, trying to date girls and trying to go to as many concerts as I could and trying to make some money. And I wasn't really thinking about, you know, this stuff, but now I'm like, ah, you know, hindsight, I wish I would have been studying this stuff because I don't have the time now, you know, with yeah. kids and a marriage and job and, and everything. Um, it's an undertaking to really dig into, this stuff that I'm it becoming is. interested in the older I get. But I, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm at a place now where I'm really, um, I'm open to a lot more and, and also all I'm happy with slowly kind of unpacking some things and I'm at a way better place than I was. It's, it's not a deck of cards being wrecked. You know what I mean? My, yes, the more I learn is not necessarily going to make me go more the atheist route. I'm, I'm very much, uh, interested in, you know, and uh, in this stuff, and I want to learn more, but I'm past the point of it kind of, I guess, ru- I guess changing my overall perspective, because that's a shock, I guess. It's a shock when you go from one belief, and then the carpet kind of gets pulled out from under you, you know? Yes, it and, is. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to go through a whole lot before you end up, you know, at a place where you're, you know, you're okay with things. And yeah. I think I'm, I'm finally there. Um, well, you know, but- it's, it's for, you know, for me, like what I usually tell people is it's interesting. Uh, cause I, I went to undergrad and I went to m- get my master's in history for both and then philosophy a minor in both. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things like I love philosophy, but, uh, as much philosophy as I read during those years, I came to the conclusion that, if you really want to, you can really make an, a sound and valid argument for pretty much any position. Yes. <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that is not helpful to me at all. Right. Um, and so I kind of threw like, it's not that I don't think it's useful and that it's not helpful in a lot of ways, but I said, is this where I find, you know, the source of truth? No, not really, because it can be, you know, interpreted however you want to interpret it. It's depending on man's reason to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I looked at, well, can I base it on my experience as, you know, what I see and feel and, you know, and then I looked, I was like, man, just looking at my life and how I've changed experience wise and how I'd interpret my experiences has changed so often. Like it's hard for me to really, you know, bound something in kind of uh, changing 
atmosphere like that, mm-hmm. you know? And so I kind of put that to the side. I did like a lot of things that I went through, like as I was going through doubts and things like that, I was like, where is like, where is the solidness that I can kind of grasp, you know, and that I can cling to. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, like you have to choose some kind of authority mm-hmm. and it, you know, so, you know, like Dawkins, people like that choose to base it on their reason, you know, the human mind, uh, science, so forth. And, and that's great. You know, um, they're, they're way smarter than I am. Um, and I chose to base it on, you know, a book and a tradition, mm-hmm. uh, because not only does it, is it on the whole unchanging, because really, if you look at 2000 years of historical kind of shifting of theology and stuff, it hasn't changed that much. Yeah, it's just the, the language has changed. Right. So, yeah. um, and so I kind of, you know, grasped onto that. And yet there's parts of the Bible that I still don't like. They still challenge me. Mm-hmm. They still push me and they still piss me off. And like, if it was up to me, I would not have this in the Bible because <laughs> I don't like it. You know? So like in my mind, like, part of growth as a human being and part of growth in faith is constantly just butting heads with that authority that you choose. And if it, like, if the authority that you choose to like, kind of, you know, grasp, you know, grab onto is just telling you what you want to hear all the time, you're not going to grow. Yeah. And so that's why I hang on to scripture. That's why I hang on to church tradition the last 2000 years of tradition mm-hmm. and because there's a lot of stuff uh, there that I don't agree with and I don't want to agree with. And yet it keeps pulling me back in. And so that's, that's a living kind of faith. That's a living kind of give and take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find it both uh, enlivening and, something to kind of just hang my hat on and to know at the end of the day, like, yes, we can talk about what it looks like to be saved. We can talk about like the process of salvation, blah, 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 all these doctrinal things. But at the end of the day, I can say, you know, I am, I am God's child because Christ died for me. And at the end of the day, that's, that's enough. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's, that's very freeing. And and for someone who's uh, wearied, um, that's that's a needed rest. Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of sum up my my faith right now. Cool. So, and that that's just great. Like you know, um, with faith and belief and everything, if you're open to things, like that's what's great. Is I think it's ever changing. It's you're going to learn more and, and grow more. And and having that mindset, I think is is way better than someone who's just all right, I'm I'm done learning more. I'm done. This is exactly where I'm going to be, you know, for the rest of my life. Here we go, you know. Yep. And, and I think uh, if you're opening open yourself to to growing and learning and open yourself to new things, I think that's a, a a great mindset to have, no matter what you believe. So exactly. So let's let's dive into um, when you started doing these kind of they're not reviews. They are you know reflections reflections <laughs> yeah. on these horror films and. Um, the first one you took on was a doozy, you know, taking on yeah. 
2008's Martyrs. Um, when, like, when did you start? When did you get the idea to do this, and and what was your approach? So when I f- when I first started writing, actually writing about horror, um, was probably back in 2012. Uh, I kind of got hooked on with a website called Mockingbird, uh, mbird.com. Okay. They're um, they're housed in an Anglican church in Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, nice. um, they are largely Lutheran in their theology, um, very grace heavy, and uh, I kind of found their website. I contacted them, said like I would love to try to write because I hadn't really written for anyone at that point. Like this was the beginning of like I'd been writing for a long time, but I'd never actually put stuff out for mass consumption. So um, I basically asked, like, you know, would there be a chance I could, you know, do an internship or write for you? And the head guy, David Saul, who's the the nicest guy you could possibly meet, um, said, like, come out to our conference uh, in the fall and we'll talk about it. So I bought a ticket, went out to Charlottesville for their fall conference. Uh, I'm, I'm a guy who hates Christian conferences. Uh, I think they are just wearying by the end of it. And I went into this one, came out the most refreshed I've ever felt in my life. And that's because it was filled with a bunch of people who were very transparent about their faith, Mm -hmm. very transparent about their doubts and said, they called a spade a spade. And that was something I wasn't used to. And from that point on, I knew I needed to find a way to write for these people because I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. And so they gave me an opportunity. And the first thing that came to my mind was, well, hell, why should, I should just write about horror films. I love them. You know, maybe I can find theological kind of touch points uh, to talk about. And so I wrote uh, a series called uh, In the Event of a Cosmic Horror. And I took largely based it off a book by a, I believe he's a nihilist, um, uh, Eugene Thacker, uh, the book, uh, in the dust of the planet, which you might know from fashion design, uh, people like Kanye and, and people like that wear shirts with that, that book title on them. So I read that book and, and, and I, I was just blown away by it. And I kind of used some of his ideas as, uh, kind of uh, starting points. And so I, ta- I talked about revelation. I talked about the hiddenness of the world and Lovecraft and um, how Lovecraft actually got understood the limits of, of human understanding and the other, the other side that we can't quite grasp. And, uh, you know, just a lot of stuff going on in my mind, a lot of development and how I view horror. And so I wrote those, that series and that kind of just started it off. Um, I started thinking a lot more about horror, but recently I started my own website um, just as a way to kind of combine all the writings I've done Mm -hmm. in a lot of places, put them in one place. The podcasts I do, um, that way, you know, I can have a page that people go to and be like, here's your stuff. Okay. I'm I'm attempting to do that. I haven't, uh, (laughs) I understand. It's it's a work in progress. Yeah, I understand. So, uh, so with that, I, I was like, well, I'm going to start 
blogging again because I, I had a Tumblr for a long time, um, and I would blog quite a bit uh, up until the last couple of years. Kind of fell away from it because I got busy um, and a few personal things mm-hmm. going on. So uh, I was like, well, you know, I had a friend, uh, Jeff Warwick, who does the smell of music with me, and uh, he... He was like, you know, dude, like what you write about horror is what you love to write about. Uh, I can tell when I read your stuff and uh, you should really start focusing in more on that stuff. And so I've kind of downgraded a lot of things I've been doing lately and and I'm kind of concentrating on uh, honing my skill Mm -hmm. as far as writing about horror. And I don't necessarily want to force a Christian perspective on the films, but... But if I see kind of pathways, I'm going to mention them because I'm not ashamed of my faith. Um, and I think there's ways that I can write about it that's not preachy, uh, that can mean something to people regardless of what their beliefs are. So that's that's kind of how I how I approached it. Well, let's so, talk about let's talk about martyrs a little bit because I I I mean. I, I mean, the, the, there's the name martyrs, right? You know, mm-hmm. and it's this, this very much, they are very, uh, uh, if you, if you, I have actually have a book called, uh, what's it called? I don't know, it's a book of martyrs. It's like a gigantic book that has all these stories of all these martyrs from like through the gospels or through the Is New it, Testament. Uh, Fox's, Fox's book of martyrs. I think so. It's like a gigantic yeah. book. It's, it's a, yeah, that's that's the most famous. It's book amazing. It's yeah, incredible. It mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, it is um, one of my favorite things that I own. So, but martyrs, I never thought about when I saw the movie. I mean, there was some symbology, especially at the end, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, with her kind of being put up in like almost a crucifix pose. Um, if I'm thinking, if I'm, I'm remembering that right. It's been a while. Yes, since you I've are. Seen it. So there is that, but I didn't really, you know, overtly think of any, you know, possible religious undertones. So what was it that kind of, I guess, um, what were you latching onto when when you saw the film? Was it on your first viewing of the film or was it kind of like subsequent viewings? You were like, whoa, there's stuff we can unpack here. You know, weirdly enough, it's usually when I actually am watching the film, I'm not thinking through it. I'm trying to just take in the film and... Uh, appreciate it for what it is. Uh, I think a lot of um, people that in my camp would would constantly try to analyze it within you know a Christian text um, in order to kind of put a, a gospel spin on it. And mm-hmm. part of me is I just want to watch it yeah. and appreciate it for the art that it is. And then as I kind of dwell on it for like a few days afterwards, I, I start kind of piecing things together and like was it what it has to say about uh the world of the movie uh and how that world of the movie relates to the world we all know and so in my mind the ending is so it's so fatalistic so nihilistic uh you know maybe spoilers for martyrs everyone from here on out exactly so if you haven't seen 2008's <laughs> Martyrs, pause it, watch it, and come back. If you don't care about spoilers, you've been warned. There we go. There we exactly. go. Covered our so, tracks here. <laughs> there you go. Nicely done. So, you know, at the at, at the end, you know, you have the, the final reveal um, 
the 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 martyr who is able to see have the divine gaze as i called it mm-hmm. you know she she was able to see into um the other side and she was the only one that they had found that this organization this secret like kind of conspiracy theory organization that the director developed for the story uh it's the only one they had found that was able to communicate what she had seen and it was whatever it was and we don't know the the content of the revelation but mm-hmm. whatever it was caused the person who heard it to kill themselves Mm-hmm. And uh, she, her famous last line is to the, you know, she's talking to her assistant, I believe, and she's like, "Have you ever wondered what the afterlife is like?" The guy's like, "Yes, I have." And she's like, "Well, keep doubting," or uh, I think she says, "Keep doubting," or uh, or keep searching, or something like that. And then she pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, like. Okay, you could take that as kind of a nihilist approach. She could have just, you know, maybe the the martyr told her that there's nothing. There's no afterlife. And therefore, everything that we do, everything we are, humanity is meaningless ultimately, and we just end up being dirt and nothing more. Okay, that's a possibility. But I'm thinking to myself, within my worldview... I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Something okay. Well, let's say that this is actually happening in this world. Like one of the aspects of the Bible is the kind of the the dark underbelly of it is that God does harden hearts. He does give to people the desires that they want, and it's not good for them. But that they really want it, and so He gives it to them. And in my mind maybe this organization that is destroying these female bodies, these innocent women to build their, their tower of Babel to this knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, God's saying, okay, this is what you want. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you over to it. And so he gives them what they want. And the ending is, if man is trying to reach heaven on their own willpower, it's futile. Mm-hmm. It's nihilist. It's nihilism because you can't do it, at least according to the gospels. So that's kind of where I went from. And I was like, okay, well, it's, that's, that's an interesting study of how God reveals himself to us. Uh, there's a positive and negative aspect to it. And so as I wrote the, the piece, I was, trying to keep that intention because you can go to the extremes on both sides. Like you can kind of, there's been a history of negative and positive theology through Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. And there've been problems if they've gone to the extreme on either side. Um, And so I kept that intention. I was like, well, so what does this mean? Like what, you know, what's the point of this movie within that system, you know, if, if, if this is true, if like if there was actual content, the revelation that, that the, the martyr gave the woman, then, you know, what would that content be? And why would it cause the woman to, to kill herself? Mm-hmm. I'm just presupposing that there was some kind of content, that there was an afterlife of some sort. Cause there's little 
notes in the movie that kind of lead you to believe that there's something there. And so I was like, well, okay, if there is a God and he does not like seeing his creatures being, you know, brutalized and violated and, you know, tortured mm. so forth and so on, how would he, how would his justice be done? And that was one of the ideas I came up with is that he revealed to them the end of their, their goal. And that caused, um, despair. And so that's, that's kind of where I ended up on, on the essay. It's not a very happy essay, yeah. (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's whenever you have torture and brutality and, and all this stuff, like, it's not going to be happy. Right. I mean, there's, there's nothing happy going on here. And so a lot of it's speculative, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's one reading that you could possibly take. Um, now, admittedly, I try not to be that speculative if I can help it. Um, but that was just so compelling to me that I was like, I'm going with it. And, you know, critics be damned. <laughs> so, well, it's one of those films that I think does leave a lot up to the audience to exactly. fill in the puzzle, to fill in the pieces and fill yeah. in the blanks. So, um, yeah, I mean, how what's been the reaction to, to... Have you gotten, like, any feedback from other Christians and things like that um, who've stumbled across this piece that you've written? Or, you know, what's been the reaction to this reaction uh reaction on the whole uh if you most most of the the people who have read my piece that are christians Mm -hmm. have said like that's a very intriguing uh approach Mm -hmm. to the film it's not one that they would watch and i completely understand (laughs) (laughs) like i i I would i have a hard time recommending that movie just because it's so rough it's so harsh and it's so depressing um and it's very violent and it's, it's especially in this current, you know, climate of, you know, rape culture and, you know, just abuse of women and, mm-hmm. and so forth. It's, it's rough. It's, it's a very, it's a, it's a bitter dose of truth, mm-hmm. I think. And so, uh, I wouldn't recommend it to people unless they just are compelled to watch it. Yeah. It's uh, one of those films. So, I mean, I remember when I first saw it, I was, uh, I couldn't get, couldn't go to bed. I started pretty late, so I stayed up a little longer and tried to watch mm-hmm. something a little happier. But yeah, it is exactly. A, it is a compelling film, and 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 for me, it was uh, it. There was a time when I was start, I was starting to jump into more horror movies, and it was uh, it opened me up to. I think it was the first movie I saw with the French these French kind of new wave of horror. But then I saw High Tension and stuff like that. But I yes. think out of all those, of all of all those films i think it's the most compelling i think mm-hmm. thematically yes um, but uh but now is there different ways to interpret what a martyr is because for me i always thought like a martyr is somebody who dies for their faith right but they're not necessarily put in that scenario in that film no they're more no. of uh so is there different you know definitions of martyr well, I think I think any kind of definition ult- ultimately derives from the religious definition. Is it so, kind of in the context of the, this film, what they're trying to do? Yes. It, so I think the key to 
uh, reading the title into the film is the moment when um, I believe it's Anna is is the the girl that ends up being the martyr. Um, she gives herself over to the persecution. Gotcha. Okay. It's at that point when she when she willingly takes on the persecution and the death and the torture mm-hmm. and is she just gives herself to it. She leans into it. And at that point, I think she's a true martyr. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of gray areas to, you know, well, you know, the true, like, like the Christian definition of martyr is someone who dies for the faith, like who is um, unfairly, unjustly, killed right. because of their beliefs i mean that's um, the that's the con that's the context i've heard it film with, yes. with my upbringing yes right. exactly and so you know if you know what is the content of of her you know belief going into that persecution and giving herself to it i don't know then mm-hmm. that's but i think that's that's an interesting kind of title I, I think that's the reason why he titled it that is to bring in the religious uh heft of the term right and to ask those questions you know what is it in this situation that uh defines a martyr and why is this one girl this one woman the one who is ultimately able to reveal uh the content of the revelation right so you know it's that's a good film that's that's a film that brings in, you know, hefty themes, hefty definitions, and yet it's still ambiguous enough to allow for the audience to to live in the text. Yeah. You know, of the movie. So yeah. out of the out of the three films you have up there so far, I think this one's the meatiest one, I think. Yes, I think so. As far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Um you just posted about the final girls. I haven't watched that yet. Um Yes. So I'm I'm excited to watch it because I think we're, it's a fun movie. I think we're actually going to be talking to the filmmakers at some point this week for oh, really? the screencast. Awesome. So very cool, very cool. I'll look forward to that. Cross pollinate the the podcasts. Uh, if you haven't heard of the screencast, I, I'm also doing that. Anyway, um, but you but you talk about then you have another writing about uh, about the nightmare that uh, kind of yes. pseudo documentary thing. Mm-hmm. And like for me, it was kind of a that was kind of a. I, and I, I didn't really like it. It was kind of a boring, you know, it kind of was very repetitive with the subject matter about these people who kind of get these, not necessarily night terrors, but have these like, um, I guess night terrors, right? Or, but, yeah, yeah, night terrors, hallucinations, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, but my, my co-host for the Screamcast, he really, he didn't, he th- said the movie is okay, but it really, you know, um, he couldn't shake the fact because he used to have kind of these similar, you know, things happen to him. Okay. Um, when he was younger, so, um, so I think in that sense, you know, there's something there with this kind of pseudo documentary thing. It's the people who did the uh, was it room, room? Uh, it's about uh, the two thirty seven. Two thirty seven. That was kind of a pseudo documentary as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know what's true and what's not in in this one, which makes it a little bit frustrating. But I think the subject matter could be uh is is very intriguing i think they didn't i felt like they they kind of botched the execution uh yes i would agree i would agree what was it about this film um 
because you say that too in, in, in your write-up that you're you're kind of mixed on the film itself, but what was it that that's, uh, stood out for, you know, to be analyzed, I guess? Well, this, this was one of those, those situations where it was the right film at the right time. Okay. Um, I, I had already been contemplating writing something about the nature of experience, of human experience, and, and the seriousness of human experience to that person. Um, you know, regardless of if we believe the person's story or their experience or not, it, that's one side of the, the issue. The other side is, is if they're being honest about it, that experience is objective to their worldview. That's objective to who they are as a person and how they see the world. So regardless if I believe any of the people on the nightmare actually had those experiences or not, it's real to them mm-hmm. if they're being honest. And so I've been you know contemplating that because you know as a Christian I I kind of go back and forth on you know what what aspects of the supernatural do I believe in like is it really just is it more distraction like is it you know, there's a there's a concept out there like a lot of Christian apologists will say that a lot of the supernatural aspects will be just distra- like demonic distraction right. so it's like the devil saying like here like I'm going to do this so that your attention will be taken away from the actual truth of the matter. So that's one way to look at it. I, you know, as I write in that, in that piece, I've had experiences myself with very strange stuff, um, that I can't fully explain, um, either, you know, rationally or, you know, supernaturally. So, uh, I'm not sure where I kind of stand on that issue, Mm -hmm. but I do know that, uh, people, uh, base a lot of their life and their beliefs and their the way they view the world on their experiences, and we have to take that seriously as people. Mm-hmm. Um, not not just as you know a Christian, like not just as you know an atheist, like as a human being, you need to hear people out and to take them seriously. And until there's something, there's a red flag that shoots up. Uh, we need to take them at their word mm-hmm. and and take that seriously. And so, I had been thinking about that as is, and just the nature of you know the objectivity of subjective human experience, which is humorous uh, when you think about it. But, uh, and I saw that film, and I was like, well, this would. I didn't really care for the film, but it did affect me. Right. Like, I was still kind of like looking over my shoulder at the end of it. I was like, this is kind of, it's a little weird, you know? And I was like, well, there's something there, like something impacted me. What was it? And it's, I think it's the what if question. Mm-hmm. Like, what if these people's experiences are true? What does that say for me? What does that say? How does that speak into my belief system, speak into my world? And what do I do with that? And so I don't know any of those people. Uh, so I can't, you know, honestly take them at their word. Uh, as we know with documentaries, there's a lot of gray area yeah, as to what's of, real and what's not. You, you, you know, can really, so, you can, you can really, it's all about the editing, you know, with documentaries. Exactly, you, can, exactly. you can really, like, like I said, like anybody can form an argument for any position, 
you know, exactly. with the documentary, it's the same sort of thing. It's really all about how you edit things, what information you put in, what information you leave out. But I think the the part that really got me is the 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 one woman who had those experiences. She spoke the word of Christ, and hmm. it was powerful enough in the moment when she was serious. She wasn't a believer at that point. If we're to believe her story, um, she spoke it, and it stopped. And she became a Christian after that. I'm like, so even if what she experienced was not real, at least not real in the way she says it is. Yeah the experience itself had power over her shifting paradigms. Well, it changed her entire worldview. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, we have to we have to deal with that. Like, what does that mean? And so that's kind of where I was going. Um, I, I think I'll probably dig into it a little bit deeper uh, later on um, than I did on this because I was trying to keep it fairly short. Mm. I, I try to keep them readable length. So um, I think it's an interesting subject, and I – I'm all for respecting people enough to take them at their word cool. uh, and, and to hear them out. So, yeah, that's kind of where I was going awesome. with that one. Anyways. Cool, man. Well, um, since I haven't seen Final Girls, uh, I'm not going to jump into it because I don't want to be spoiled. I understand. Yeah. I understand. But um, anyway, everyone, you, you can go to uh, BlakeICollier.com, and I'll put links in the show notes uh, to that website. And check these out, share them. I think I think they're great. And that's you know I we're trying to get writers you know and everything for the the screamcast.com. And and I I'm I respond more to I think analysis of film and mm-hmm. um to a different perspective rather than just a straight up review of a film. Because I was just talking to our writer uh, Josh Obershaw who's been mm-hmm. writing stuff and he's kind of approaching things that way, which is, which is great. That's uh, awesome. More of an, an, an analysis. And then seeing yours with kind of like a, uh, a Christian um, leaning towards it was really, I think for me, for me, I'm not sure about my co-host Brad or whatever, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for uh, yeah, me, exactly. like, I'm like, Oh, these are awesome. Like this is a great different perspective on, on horror flicks. So as I keep it up, man, I think you're onto something. Um, I appreciate that. It's a, it's a good, it's a good thing. Um, so everyone, go over there, check out his writings and uh, and everything. And uh, where where can people find you on online other than the the website? The website. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Sacred Letdown, uh, and you'll see my name is the Dirty Deacon, um, <laughs> which was given to me by my Barnes and Noble uh, coworkers. That's awesome. Uh, because they had never met a guy who came from a, a college ministry job to Barnes and Noble <laughs> and liked hip hop, cussed as much as I did, and watched horror films. So nice. That's what they nicknamed me as. It's fantastic. And um, then you can find me on Facebook, BlakeIcollier.com or cool. Blake I Collier. Cool man. Well, I'm I'm uh, excited to, to finally talk to you. And we've been going back and forth and everything, and it's yeah. good to good to have it have a conversation for sure. Um, so. Wish you all the best with everything, and I'll, I'll be uh, I'll I'll be retweeting and sharing your posts for I sure. I certainly appreciate that, man. Cool. And uh, anything I can do for the Screamcast or AXPX, let me know. I'll be all glad right. to do it. Awesome. That may happen. I th- we okay. I, I want to get some stuff up on the AXPX. I need some writings uh, up there, so definitely okay. uh, keep you in mind. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we we will be in touch for sure. Sounds good, man. Thank you.
was the Cordova Academy Glee Club with the song Amplified Savior off of their 2008 album Be Mine or There Will Be War. It's a kick-ass album and something if you're interested, if you like that song, you definitely should check it out. I want to thank Blake for coming on the show and uh, being the, the first guest on season three of the AXPX podcast. I like the season thing, so I'm going to keep that going. So, not sure how I'll work the seasons. I know with this type of thing, I will need some time to kind of recalibrate and uh, get new guests on. So, I'm thinking, you know, maybe October to October, something like that, um, with like a month off somewhere in there. So, we'll see where it goes. I, I don't know. I haven't really thought this through. I'm kind of just keeping this going by the seat of my pants. Hope you guys dig the new intro and everything. Um, I have a new logo being worked over being workshopped so we'll see how that goes i think my original idea was super busy but i'm hoping uh, my friend kevin spencer reigns everything in and uh, makes it look awesome so i'll be debuting that hopefully uh hopefully soon within the, the next few shows if you want to contact the show drop me a line via the website go to theaxpx.com there should be a contact link and, uh, you know, the website, I, it was down for a while. I couldn't even edit the damn thing. But to con- try to contact me through there. <laughs> if not, I believe my email is sean at theaxpx.com. I'll be sure, I'll be ironing all this stuff out. The 
easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. And the Twitter handle is, is it, do you say handle? The Twitter name, whatever, is the AXPX. And if you uh, go to Facebook, actually go to the AXPX.com. I got all the links to all the social media up there. Um, I don't use Google Plus, gonna be taking that shit down. And we were posting the shows on YouTube. Um, if I find an easier way to do that, I'll probably keep doing that because that seemed to uh, to do well. I don't know. For some reason, people listen to podcasts on YouTube. Who'd have thunk it? But you can go to uh, facebook.com slash the AXPX and get a hold of me there as well. As I work out all the, you know, kind of get my mind thinking this way again and ironing out a bunch of bugs, way back in full force. If you're interested in writing for the for the AXPX.com, if you're someone who wants to, you know, has stuff you want to write about, definitely drop me a line. We're definitely looking for writers for the site. So that's all the house cleaning I have. I uh, hope you guys really dug the show, and I'm excited to excited to be bringing this back and excited about the next uh, few guests we have. Definitely, since we're still in October, and I hope to do this hope to do this every October, kind of focus on more of the supernatural and, and, and things like that. Um, horror movies and stuff like that. But we have a uh, a paranormal researcher or paranormal investigator. I'm not sure. Ghost hunter, whatever, uh, on the show next week. So I'm super excited to talk to him. Otherwise, all of you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye bye. We must search for what is truth. What is truth, and what is God? You don't really want an answer to that question. The first duty is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. That's really what you want in life. You want to feel connected. You want to feel relevant. You want to feel like a, you're a participant in the goings-on of activities and events around you. That's precisely what we are, just by being alive.